0: Welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here
1: is this week's message.
0: You may be seated. And Charlie... Miller, one of our Eagle Scouts, will read our scripture for us this morning.
1: Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf. He makes Syrian like a young, and Sirion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as the king forever. May the Lord give strength to the people. May the Lord bless his people with peace.
0: Church, would you pray with me? God, we pray that you'll give each one of us the courage to truly ask you to destroy in us all that is not of you. Let the fire of your Holy Spirit... Burn away from our lives anything that is not pleasing to you. Let the wind of your spirit breathe afresh on each one of us, blowing away the dust that's covering our inner lives. God, we thank you for allowing us to be here in this place today. Because we know that your spirit is among us. We know that we're in your presence. And because we're in your presence and you have invited us to yourself. And the Holy Spirit is working among us. Worship can happen in this place today. So God take us and make us completely and perfectly yours. In the strong and saving name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We are in the midst of a sermon series looking at our 2020 vision for the year 2020. And in a lot of ways, life is really formed by what it is we're looking for, by what it is we want out of life. By what it is we're seeking in life, that vision, that focus will determine all of our choices and then our choices will add up into habits and by the time it's all over, our choices will come together and constitute our very lives. I remember when my children were heading off to college. First Elizabeth, then Caleb. I sat them down and we had a conversation and they didn't hear anything they had not heard from me before but particularly at that point in their life when they were heading away to college, I wanted them to think again about the importance of focus. We can have a lot of loves in life but we need to make sure that we rightly order our loves. We can love chocolate ice cream. We can love NFL football. We can also love God. We can have a lot of loves in our lives, but we need to make sure that we rightly order our loves so that we can find the joy that God has planned for each one of us, Uh, the joy that our Creator has planned for each one of us. The power of focus is amazing. So we are here still at the beginning of the gift of a new year, thinking about what it is we seek, thinking about our vision for what our life should be. And I want to call your attention back to Psalm 29. I just want to bring to your attention one verse from Psalm 29. It's a verse that has been uh, very transformational for me in life, as I seek to rightly order my loves, to embrace good priorities in my life. And it's verse 2 of Psalm 29 that I'd like to bring especially to our attention this morning. And I'm going to be reading it out of the translation. that's a little bit closer to the words that impacted me as I was new or younger in the Christian life is Psalm 29 beginning at verse 2. It is a command given by the psalmist to the people of God. And in the command, not just suggestion or request, but in the command that we hear in Psalm 29 verse 2, it says, Given to the Lord the glory due His name, And worship there's our word for today worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness give unto the Lord the glory due his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness church this is the word of God for us the people of God okay be honest with me church Here we are, February the 9th, and if you're like me, I suspect that you have already violated all of your New Year's resolutions. We make New Year's resolutions because we want to change some things about ourselves, and changing human behavior is a multi-million dollar industry in the United States. And that industry teaches us a lot of good life skills. But I want to offer to you this morning, church, the most efficient, the most effective, the most fruitful way to ever embrace change, transformation in the human life and experience. I find it here in this psalm. I find it here in this psalm at verse 2, where... Through the psalmist, our creator, who created us, tells us to give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I hope that you're on a journey, a very intentional journey, and you're learning more and more and more what it means to give unto the Lord the glory due to God. And I hope that you're on a journey learning more and more and more what it means to worship And specifically, to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In so many ways, that phrase, the beauty of holiness, has changed my life. And the way the Hebrew is written here in the text, you don't really know whether or not you're being commanded to worship the Lord in the beauty of the Lord's holiness or in the beauty of our holiness, And I suspect that the psalmist would say we've got to learn how to do both. We've got to learn what worship is. We've got to learn how to worship the Lord in the beauty of the Lord's holiness and in the beauty of our own holiness. Because it is being a holy people that allows us to come before a holy God in sacred worship. You know, when we come into this place each Lord's Day, the architecture here teaches us something about worship, doesn't it? The high vaulted ceilings lift our minds and our hearts toward God, away from this earth that so captivates us. These stained glass windows surrounding us reminds us of all the mighty acts of God throughout our history, and these stained glass windows also remind us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, People who have made the same journey that we are making and they now made their transition to the other side. Through these windows we can see some images of Jesus Christ. I'm I'm always blessed on Sunday mornings that from where I sit I can see that image of King Jesus up there in that stained glass window and in many ways that image helps me to worship on Sunday mornings. You know, when we come into this place, we are seeking for worship to happen. Do you know what worship is? don't mean to insult you, but do you know what it is you're doing in this place on Sunday? This is one of those places that we have set aside where heaven and earth can meet. And that's what happens when we worship. We've said this now for over 3,000 years. We have experienced this now for over 3,000 years that when we enter into a posture, a position, an attitude of worship, we are allowing heaven and earth to meet. And that's why when, when we particularly celebrate communion, we, we remind ourselves that we are joining with the very host of heaven, we are joining in the angels of heaven and the people of heaven in worship. And when we join with heaven in this place to allow heaven and earth to meet in worship, we are joining the angels as the angels sing their song around God's throne. And you know what their song is, I suspect. It's what we call the sanctus, the holy, holy, holy. That's what the angels just keep singing in the presence of God. Holy, holy, holy. And the reason they're saying it three times is in the Hebrew language, and by the way, I do think the language of heaven is Hebrew, so you might as well start learning a few Hebrew words. But when the angels are worshiping in heaven, they say holy, 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 because they can't make superlatives in the Hebrew language using an ER or EST. Like we do in the English language. So, the way they make superlatives in the Hebrew language is they just repeat it. They're saying to God that God's not just holy. God is not just holy, holy, but God is superlatively holy, holy, holy. And that's the only time in the Bible we are told that God is holy, holy, holy. We're never told. That God is love, love, love. We're never told that God is grace, grace, grace. We're never told that God is peace, peace, peace. But we are told that God is holy, holy, holy. That's the core of who God is. In this place, we, we come to pay homage to our king, and he is a holy king. We come into this place to acknowledge that the core of his being is holiness, and that he may love, but it's a holy love. He may grant grace, but it's a holy grace. He may grant peace, but it's a holy peace that he grants. So we, in many ways, join in the song of the angels. Holy, holy, holy. So I hope you know what you're doing in this place on Sunday morning. I hope that you realize you're coming into this place so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can spend some time gazing on the perfections of God that you can spend some time gazing on the beauty of God's holiness. There's only a small list of books that I try to read annually. One of those is a book by A.W. Tozer. And I recommend A.W. Tozer to you. You've probably heard me use that name before. A.W. Tozer was a tremendous Christian author of the 20th century. He was a unique mix of a Protestant mystic, and his writings are just phenomenal. All of his writings are phenomenal. All of his writings call me to repentance, and all of his writings invite me, to use his language, into the fellowship of the burning heart.
1: That's what it means to
0: be a follower of God through Jesus Christ. We have now entered the fellowship of the burning heart. And we need to make sure that that heart continues to burn for more and more and more of God. All of A.W. Tozer's writings are amazing. The one that I read annually that I heavily recommend to you is A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. He wrote that book very quickly in 1947. It came out in 1948. It continues to be in print, and it continues to bless Christians all across the globe. That book was given to Mr. Tozer very quickly, almost as if it was a gift from God to us. In that book, chapter 12 is entitled, The Gaze of the Soul. The Gaze of the Soul. I hope you're learning more and more about what it means to gaze to gaze on the beauty of God's holiness. This is a little bit of what A.W. Tozer says in that book, chapter 12. He says, faith. And don't you notice how he defines faith? Faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Gazing is directing the heart's attention to God. It is lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and never ceasing for the rest of our lives. At first, this may be difficult, because we are so easily distracted. He says, at first this may be difficult, but it becomes easier as we look steadily at His wondrous person, quietly and without strain. Distractions may hinder, but once the heart is committed to Him, After each brief excursion away from Him, the attention will return again and rest upon us like a wandering bird coming back to its windowsill. And and when we lift our inward eyes to gaze upon God, we are sure to meet friendly, loving eyes gazing back at us. Friends, this is what changes us. This is the greatest, most efficient, most effective, most fruitful way for human nature to change. To spend time gazing upon the holiness of God, the beauty of God's holiness. To spend time consciously aware in the presence of this God. I don't know about you. I love worshiping with all of us together but my favorite part of the day is my own private worship time in my study. The sweetness of that early hour when I get to gaze upon God's holiness. And I know that the more time we spend gazing upon God's holiness, it will change us. One of the things that even the popular personal growth movement has taught me, and I think this is true, is that we become like that which we love. We become like the person that we love. So that's why it's so important to be growing in our love relationship with God because the more time we spend gazing on the beauty of God's holiness, the more time we will be changed, transformed, as Paul says, from glory to glory, to glory, till in heaven, and now this is Wesley, till in heaven we take our place, lost in wonder, love, and praise. I hope that you will join me on this journey of growing and knowing what it means to worship, of growing in a way that teaches me more and more how to gaze upon the beauty of God's holiness. Last week, I, for those of you that were here, I introduced you. To Jaxie the Wonder Dog, uh, that's my dog, and I spent a little time introducing you to Jaxie last week. And last week I used Jaxie as an example of what it means to grow in discipleship. You know, I'm I'm I love my dog. I know your dogs are great, but mine's probably still better. <laughs> I love my Jaxie, and he is so easily trainable. He is so predictable. And he has created some habits that he refuses to let go of. I wish I was more like that in the training for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I wish I was more about that in the fact that I would tenaciously hold on to holy habits in my life. My my little Jaxie has also taught me something else. My little Jaxie has taught me a lot about gazing Jaxie loves to be in my presence. He just, whether I'm in my study, in my den, he's at the back door waiting on me when I come home. Jaxie loves to be in my presence. And oftentimes when he's in my presence, I just can glance at him and I see that he's gazing, staring at me.
1: And as a matter of fact,
0: my Jaxi, I don't know if your dog will do this, my Jaxi, when I'm sitting in a chair, he doesn't jump up and lay in my lap. He does that for Tammy. He doesn't jump up and lay in my lap. He jumps up in my lap and stands up, puts his feet on my, his front paws, his feet on my shoulders, and he stares into my eyes. He's, he, he's gazing at me. And, and, and he looks at me, I look at him, and sometimes he can stay there gazing at me for a remarkable amount of time. And I know that when I gaze into Jaxie's eyes, I see love, great love. And I hope that's what Jaxie sees for me, is great love as I'm gazing into Jaxie's eyes. Oh, I wish I was more like Jaxie when it comes to worship. I wish I loved to be in the presence of God more than anything else. And that I love to gaze upon the beauty of God's holiness. And I would spend more and more of my life doing that because that will transform me, us. So I love the text that says, Given to the Lord, the glory to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We don't know if this is a command to worship the Lord in the beauty of God's holiness or in the beauty of our holiness. I suspect it's both. God is preeminently holy, and we as the people of God are called to be a people of holiness. And I know that a lot of people in the church today don't talk much about holiness about holy living, holiness of heart and life. We Methodist types, by the way, we used to be the ones in the body of Christ that talked about it obsessively, that we need to allow God to do a work in our lives to to take our hearts and make them completely God's. And then our lives would become completely God's. And we would then live out of the holiness that God in Christ gives us through faith. So we are called to live as a holy people. We are a holy people. The word holiness just simply means to be set apart. It doesn't mean you've reached a certain status of ethical or moral living. It just means to be set apart. A saint, which is also based on the, uh, originally on the Hebrew term for holiness, is someone who's just been set apart and belongs to Jesus. So everyone that belongs to Jesus belongs to everyone that belongs to Jesus, and they're all saints. So we're called to live as a separated people. We're called to be a people who live in this world, but not of this world. We're called to completely different standards. And I have learned over the years, and we have learned over 3,000 years, that the more time we spend in the presence of our holy God, we become holy. The more time we spend loving our holy God, The more time, the more we become like that which we love. I know that the word holiness has fallen on hard times. For a lot of people, the word holiness just has implications of self-righteousness or something. And that's so not what holy living is about. I remember in the church in which I was raised, I'm sure I've said this to you before, I was given the impression... That I I was to live a holy life, but what that meant was just not doing some very trivial, petty things in my life. And I remember soon after I gave my life to Christ as a teenager, I ran across, I'm going to date myself a little bit now, I ran across a song by Don Francisco. He was a hot Christian artist back in the late 70s, early 80s. He wrote a song, it was a pop song of the day, entitled Holiness. I don't hear a lot of contemporary Christian artists writing songs about holiness today or calling us to repentance like Don Francisco did. In one of the songs he wrote and made popular in 1984 that was simply titled Holiness, here's the lyrics. Holiness is the only life that the Lord can bless. Holiness, holiness is the Lord's command, not the Lord's request. Holiness, holiness is... Not your food or drink. It's not the way you dress. Holiness, holiness is to hear the Lord and answer yes. Yeah, it's not the food or the drink that you imbibe. It's not the way you dress or the way you refuse to dress, though modesty is important. It's much deeper than that. It means having a heart that's given to God. I I think I've told you, the church I grew up in, I thought holiness now I, I learned this as a little child. I thought holiness was just being able to say, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. <laughs> if I would just achieve that, I would be holy. <laughs> holiness is about taking your heart and giving it to God and allowing this God, this holy God, to change us because of our connection. There was Mother Teresa one time who said, Holiness is just simply doing the will of God with a smile. Some of us will do the will of God, but we make sure we let people know how miserable it makes us. But to do the will of God, to live a holy life, is to do the will of God with a smile. It becomes your joy. The road to happiness, church, is not pursuing happiness The the road to happiness is pursuing holiness. Holiness of heart and then holiness of living. So church, I invite you into this relationship and the deepening of this relationship. I invite you to open up your heart to Jesus Christ. Allow him to come in through the power of his spirit to take up residency in your heart and then allow that relationship to deepen and deepen and deepen until he becomes your joy. He becomes your peace. I am getting ready to take a large group with me to, to to sing and to worship and to pray our way across the Holy Land. So when I get back, I'll get back here in the office on Shrove Tuesday, the day before the beginning of Lent. So while I'm away over there, I'm going to be praying for us that Lent truly will be for us a time when we, in a powerful, dramatic way, fall in love with Jesus Christ all over again. I hope that will be your prayer as you leave this place today. I hope that you will so learn how to gaze upon the beauty of God's holiness that you will go from glory to glory to glory till in heaven we take our place when there will be lost in wonder, love, and praise. Amen.